Stay standing for just one minute. I hope uh, you are doing well this morning. And I promise you'll be seated at some point. Okay, hopefully soon. Uh, but I want to read you a passage before we, we jump into the message uh, today. And it's in Luke chapter 13, verse 6. I'm going to read this to you. Luke chapter 13, verse 6, it says, Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but didn't find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, For three years now, for three years now, I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree, and I have not found any. So cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for just one more year and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. Then cut it down. Everybody say one more year. One more year. I, I want to speak to you today on the subject, how to deal with disappointment. How to deal with disappointment. And uh, if you've nodded your head while I said that title, or something moved in your heart, uh, it's probably because everything up to this point in your life probably hasn't turned out the way you imagined it. And I don't, I don't know if, if there's something going on in, in your career that's disappointing you. I don't know if there's something that's going on at school that's, that's disappointing you and, and you need some help, or if there's something that's going on in your heart. I don't know if there's something going on in your marriage, but I believe this parable has some principles for dealing with disappointment that will help us today. And so, Father, we want to come to you in prayer as we are standing in your presence because we feel like when we are standing before you, God, that our posture is important. That, God, as we read your word and as we come into your presence, God, we do not want to be leaning back, but we want to be standing forward, standing up and leaning in to whatever it is that you want to say to us today. God, open our hearts because we believe that you're going to change something in us today. That God, that you're going to show us something in our heart that we've never seen before. And so I pray that your Holy Spirit would move in such a powerful way. God, please change us. Please move us. Thank you for Jesus, God, who, who came and gave his life for us. We love you. We don't just say that. That is not just what we say with our lips. But God, we really want to love you because, God, you loved us. And it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat, but tell three people before you have a seat, say, you're not a disappointment. You're not a disappointment. You're not a disappointment. You're not a disappointment. How to deal with disappointment. How to deal with disappointment. You know, after last week, uh, after preaching last week, I feel like I said everything that I could ever want to say in a message. And, and so it was really hard this week uh, trying, to, trying to just work through what I wanted to talk about because last week I just felt like, man, if there's anything that I want my life to be about and if there's anything that I ever would want to preach or let somebody know, I said it all last week. So I just felt like I had nothing else to say. I was like, Jesus, just take me now. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like that's all I could ever want to say to somebody. And so it was a little disappointing 
it, it was hard and it was a little disappointing kind of working through uh, this message and, and really what God wanted to say. And, and so I just figured I would talk to you about how to deal with disappointment because I've been working through it all week. And, and maybe you have too. And so we're going to walk through this vineyard with Jesus. And he has some important object lessons to teach us today. Because it seems that after about three years of doing ministry, he didn't really find what he was looking for. And so in order to illustrate his sense of disappointment with what the religious system had created in his day, he turns to a parable to help us understand his heart, to help us understand uh, his love, to help us understand his grace, to help us understand our struggle. And so he does it in a vineyard. He uses a vineyard. And as we walk through this vineyard, it's only like four verses long that I read, but there's a lot in it because in this parable, we, we have an uh, owner who was disappointed. We have a manager who was disappointing. And we have a tree that was dysfunctional. Now, at different points last week, you were all three of these things. You were disappointed, you were disappointing, and you were dysfunctional. So you guys have a great day, and we'll see you next week. You know, you know like, what, what a great way to start a sermon, right? Like, at, at some point last week, you were all three of these things, and so I'm gonna preach this sermon from all three of these perspectives. That's what I'm gonna do. I think I'll do that. I think I'll preach from all three of these perspectives this morning. Because sometimes you, you go to look for something in life that, that should be there. Because you put something in a place where you have sown good seed, but when you went to go check for the fruit, there was nothing there. And so you were disappointed. And then there are other times in your life where you don't quite meet the expectation that somebody else has of you. And so now you are the disappointment. And then there are other times in your life where what has been planted does not produce. And I really think that's the essence of disappointment is when what was planted does not produce. That, 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 that what we experience is not what we expected. And it's a very frustrating place to be where you know there's something planted in you, but it's not producing anything in you. To know that God has put something in you, but it's not producing through you. To have potential in you that won't come alive. To have dreams in you that you can't express. Does anybody feel what I'm saying this morning? Because this is, this is going to have to go both ways today. I need you just as much as you need me. But, but one thing that you have to see in this story, no matter how you look at it, is that it's a disappointing situation for everybody that's involved. Because this man had a fig tree and it was supposed to produce fruit. But when it didn't produce, the owner himself became insistent that it either had to grow or it had to go. Tell somebody next to you, it's got to grow. But tell them, if it doesn't, it's got to go. It's got to go. It's got to grow. Or it's got to go. 
If it doesn't grow, then it's got to go. Because if it's not growing, then it's dying. And sometimes dead things in your life take up space to keep things that could be living from doing what they have the potential to do because you, because really you won't deal with your disappointment at a deeper level. And so you got all this dead stuff set in your life that you haven't cleared out. But if you would just clear it out, then God would maybe help you realize your potential for what your life could become. Dead things keep things from growing in your life. But Jesus said, the kingdom of God is like this. This is what he says. And, and I'm going to go a little bit deeper. I want to give you a little bit of a theological background before I jump into the practical part. Is that okay? All right, cool. Thank you. Thank you for your permission. So anyways, Jesus, Jesus said, the kingdom of God is like this. It, it's like an owner of a vineyard who comes to the manager uh, of a vineyard and says, I've been coming here for three years, bro. I mean, man, for three years, I've been coming seeking fruit. And Jesus says, I've gone through the nation. I've gone through Israel. And I've seen in the synagogues where the people are preaching and the people are teaching and the Pharisees are using the law to condemn people rather than instruct them in righteousness. You see, I've seen that there's a lot of religious activity in this land, but there's not a lot of fruit being bared. I wonder if, if, if God will look at your life today and say, I see a lot of religious activity going on, but I see little fruit. I see a lot of, I see you're doing, you're busy, but you're not really producing. You see, the vineyard represents the nation of Israel, which, which means that this one tree that Jesus is talking about is the leadership system in his day, the Pharisees, the Sadducees. Okay, so the people are the vineyard and the leadership are the, is the tree that he's talking about because this tree is robbing the nutrients from getting to the people. And he says what, that, that when the leadership is not, a, is not producing according to its purpose, then the people suffer. The people suffer. You see, I believe we have one thing in common with Jesus' audience and, and, and that's that God is still looking for new leaders. That God is looking for real leaders. I, I said that God is looking for real leaders. God, God is looking for leadership. And, and I don't just say that like from a pulpit standpoint, like God is looking for leaders for people up here. What I mean is that God is looking for leadership in our homes. God is looking for 15-year-olds to stand up and lead in their schools. God is looking for people to stand up and lead in every sphere that he has given them. Jesus says that when leaders are unwilling or unable to fulfill their function, everything in the vineyard suffers. It's why, you know, I think I take what I do so, 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 so seriously is that I know that what we do as a staff and, and, and the direction that we take that if we're not doing what we're supposed to do, then, then the people suffer. And so, God is looking for real leaders, amen? And Jesus ultimately was that leader that we so desperately needed. That's why he came. But as we get into the parable, it's interesting because it says that 
a man had a fig tree planted in a vineyard and he came seeking fruit on it and he found none. And I point that out because what was planted is not producing. But I also want to note that, that God never picks what he didn't plant. God never picks what he didn't plant. And I'm going to explain what I mean by that. But he came looking for something that he himself had planted, right? And, and it said that the owner of the vineyard planted a fig tree. And so when he came to the tree and he reached for a fig, his expectation wasn't met. Because he knew what he had put in the ground. And when he compared what he saw on the tree with what he put in the ground, he was disappointed. He said, wait a minute, I planted something that is not producing. And I just point that out to you because some of you are so busy trying to produce something that God never planted in your life. I'll say that again. Because some of you are so busy trying to produce something that God never planted in your life. That you don't have any peace and, and you don't have any power because you keep trying to put out oranges when God planted you to produce figs. How many people hate when I say, touch your neighbor and say this? Anybody not like that? It's okay, because I'm gonna ask you to do it anyways. I want you to turn to your neighbor and I want you to tell them, do you? Do you, say it. Okay, I don't think you meant it. Turn to the other person and say, do you? Do you? Do you, because the sad thing about it, you know, the sad thing about it is when God planted you to be a fig tree, when you start trying to put out oranges, you waste the energy that you could have used to produce figs to produce something that was never in you. I believe this is a word from God that's going to set somebody free today. If, you, if the Spirit of the Lord opens your heart, I believe this could set you free. That maybe you've been disappointed because you've been trying to produce something that isn't your destiny. And God never reaches for anything out of your life that he didn't put in the soil of your heart. So it comes down to the question, what's in you? What's in you? And when you know what's in you, then you can deal with disappointment on a different level. Because you can stop being upset about the fruit that you didn't grow if that wasn't what God planted in you to do. It's all about your purpose. Everybody say purpose. It's about what God made you to do. In fact, I'm going to tell you a little secret. Okay? You want to know? Okay, I'll tell three of you later. I'm just kidding. I'll let you know. This, this, this is going to help you because about nine months ago, I feel like God spoke to me, okay? And I don't say that lightly. I feel like God revealed something to me in my heart. It's always a good thing when God is speaking to you in your life through his word, through his spirit, amen? And, and, and since that time, he's been doing something in my heart as a leader that's been an ongoing process of renewal. And it's been an ongoing process of freedom in my life. It's been awesome. So I'm going to share it with you. Yeah? Okay. You see, I've been doing student ministry for about six years now with my wife, and we love it. And you see, I used to get so hurt. I mean, I would be so just kind of ripped to pieces when a student of mine that I love would be slowly drifting away from God. 
And literally, like, I have a, a front row seat witnessing the, the poor decisions that they're making in their life. And it would just keep me up at night. Sometimes even to the, I mean, it would get to the point where I'm just feeling almost depressed because I just feel like, man, don't you know how much God loves you? Like, why are you making these decisions? And it would just tear me to pieces. And one day I was reading a verse where Paul was talking about in 1 Corinthians 3. He says, I made some of you to, to plant seeds and I made some of you to water seeds, but, but, but I make the seed grow. That's what God said. So he said, I make it grow. I'm the miracle grow. You know what I'm saying? He said, that's my job. And it was as if God just opened my heart in that moment and said, the only reason you feel inadequate, Mike, is because you're expecting something from yourself that I never asked you to do. And, and that's really the essence of inadequacy is that when you expect something from yourself that God never asked you to fulfill. God says, I want you to plant seeds and I want you to water the seeds and I want you to nurture the seeds, but I never asked you to grow the seed in somebody else's heart. That's my job. So you don't got to get all down. You, you just got to be you. You just, you just got to pour out. You got to water. You got to love people. You just do you and let me be me. Some of you are so disappointed in yourself because you're trying to do something that God didn't authorize you to do. Because you're trying to fulfill a purpose that's not even a part of your personality. God does not pick what he did not plant in you. You get it now? And when he picked me for what he called me to do, he picked me because of what he planted in me. So I'm okay growing oranges. You might be producing pomegranates. That's great. I'm glad you're producing. But I'm going to be me. And I'm going to let you be you. And I'm going to let God be God. Can I get an Amen. Come on, somebody. All I got to do to fulfill my purpose is to produce what is already planted on the inside of me. I don't have to be somebody I'm not. That's a freeing thought. I don't got to make something up. I don't have to feel bad about what I can do that you can do. That's great for you. Stop wasting your potential in places that are not related to your personality. Stop saying you can sing when you can't even carry a tune, okay? You better be an usher, okay? You better, you better, I'm just, hey, okay, let's lighten up, lighten up. You better serve in the children's ministry, okay? You, you keep trying to grow oranges when you're supposed to grow figs. You with me? You will always be disappointed when you try to pick something that God did not plant. I want you to say this out loud. He picked me. Yeah. Say it again with faith. He picked me. Yeah. So whenever you start to do something that you're intimidated about, just know that God, if God needed somebody better, he would have picked somebody better. And you'll never have peace in your mind and in your life if you continue to try to produce something outside of your purpose. Can I go on? Okay. The next thing he says, it, it's, he says something that on the surface is kind of, sounds like kind of cruel. Because he goes on to say in, in verse 8 or 7, he says, So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, the manager, For three years, man, 
I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree. And I don't got no fig newtons on it. Cut it down. Cut it down. And, and here's the question. Why should it use up the soil? Why should it just waste space? Now, this is interesting because if the manager is overseeing the whole vineyard, then I think it would be at least safe to assume that there were other trees in the vineyard that were just doing fine, right? There were, there were probably other trees in this vineyard that were doing just fine. They were growing, right? It was one tree that was not producing, but I will point out that the same ground that this, this, that this barren tree was planted in was the same ground that was making other trees grow. Are you using your environment as an excuse for why you can't grow? I'll let that sink in. Are you using your environment as an excuse for why you can't grow? Well, you don't understand what it's like being here. Or, uh, yeah, that's great, okay? Because a lot, of, a lot of us do make excuses. We use our environment. We use what other people did to us. We use our upbringing as an explanation for why we aren't growing. Yet, yet the problem with blaming all these things for what you can do is that there's somebody else who has a lot more of those things in their life, and yet somehow they found a way to produce. There's somebody who had less educational opportunity than, than you had, and yet they found a way to become a doctor. There's somebody else who had less love in their home than you did, and yet they found a way to have a loving marriage. And so we have to decide that our environment is not an excuse for our lack of growth. I want you to repeat this after me. Say, I will not. Excuse my growth by blaming my environment. No, you won't. In fact, some of you should thank your parents for showing you exactly what kind of marriage you didn't want to have when you grew up. You can grow anywhere because it's not where you're planted that determines how you grow. It's the purpose that's in you and it's your persistence that determines how high you grow. Amen. And some of you just quit way too quickly. You just quit. You, you give up. And I love the manager because the manager didn't make a single excuse, did he? Oh, well, see, you're the owner. Like, you didn't give me money to do this. Or, or you know, you didn't give me a hose that reached that far. So that, that, that one poor tree just didn't get the water it needed. Like, he didn't make excuses for why the tree didn't grow. In fact, he took initiative. Look at what he says in verse 8. He says, sir, uh, if I may, uh, leave it alone for one more year, and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. He says, leave it alone for one more year. Everybody say, one more year. Give it another chance. Give it another chance. The devil has no problem defeating the child of God who is easily disappointed. I mean, you got to have that kind of fight in your spirit. That when something threatens to cut down what God is growing in your life, you stand up and say, let me have another chance. 
Let me have another chance, God. Let me have another chance because I could do more than I've done up to this point. In fact, I could do two things if you give me one more year. Here's what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do, okay? He says, leave it alone for one more year and I'll dig around it. I love this. This is deep. Not just because it digs it dig deep, you know, but, but you know, this is deep. I'm going I'm to try to explain this the best way I can. But he says, I'm going to dig around it. Dig around it. He says, leave it alone for one more year. But I'm not going to leave it alone. You get, you get what I'm saying? Like, he says, hey, you leave it alone, but I'm not. Don't cut it down because I got some work to do. You see, that's how some of us think. We think that if we just leave stuff alone, then it will get better. So instead of dealing with disappointment, we just deny disappointment. Instead of expressing our disappointment, we act like it doesn't exist. Can I just tell you something? Nothing good grows when left alone. Nothing good grows when left alone. Have you ever tried to grow a garden? Has anybody here tried to grow a garden before? Okay, some of us. Stuff will grow if you leave a garden alone, okay? But it won't be anything you want to look at, okay? What will grow if you leave a garden alone? Weeds, that's right. Weeds. Yeah, all the weeds and the stuff that chokes out the stuff that you, that, that, that you planted. And so the manager says to the man, if you just give me one more year, I will do two things so that when you come back to look at this tree again, I think there will be some figs on it for you to eat. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to dig around it. I'm going to dig around it. I want to get beneath the surface. I want to dig down and get beneath the surface. Now, now here's, here's, here's what he's trying to say, and you got to listen to this, because the problem appeared at the level of the leaves, but the, the problem was caused at the level of the roots. He saw that there was no figs, but he knew the problem was at the root. He's a smart man, isn't he? So where the problem appears is not where the problem needs to be dealt with. Where the problem shows up is not usually where the problem started. Where, where it shows is not usually where it grows. Now I'm getting somewhere. Because it shows at the level of the leaves that there were no figs on that tree. But the fruit that you can see is always a result of the root that you cannot see. You follow? So this manager was skilled enough to know that if I'm going to work on this tree, then I can't stay at the surface level. I got to dig deep. I got to dig around it. I can't just keep using NyQuil to get rid of my cold. I got I to gotta get down to the, to the virus of what's really going on in my life. You keep looking at your outward struggles, but maybe there's something deeper inside that you need to be dealing with. We don't want to just be about behavioral modification. Stop doing this and stop doing that. But we want to get down to the root of why you do what you do. Why you're disappointed in what you're disappointed in. You with me? And he was skilled enough to know that. He says, I got to get down and dirty. I've been dealing with my disappointments at an external level, 
And I keep trying to fix it at this level, I can see, but this, but this year, if you really want to deal with it, if you really want to deal with your disappointment, if you really want to see fruit come forth, if you really want to get to the root and to the heart and to the issue, then you've got to dig beneath the surface. You've got to go deeper. You've got to go deeper. In other words, there's a connection between our motivation and our manifestation. You know, I want to preach this because you think you're disappointed in your wife. You're not. You're, you're disappointed with yourself, but since you can't see yourself correctly, you're taking it out on the leaves when the problem is at the root. You think your struggles with purity could just go away like this because you're looking at the outside and maybe you're struggling with pornography and maybe you're struggling with, with looking at stuff that you shouldn't be looking at and you could just try to stop doing that but maybe it's time to get down to the root of why you're doing that. I don't care so much about what you're doing. I care more about why you're doing it. That's the root. What is the leaf? What is the fruit? Why is the root? That rhymed, but I got a little confused when I said it. <laughs> I like lost my train of thought. So we got to stop blaming people. Stop blaming situations. Stop blaming politicians. Stop blaming your circumstances. Man, if you want to stand there looking at a barren tree, if you want to stay fruitless, then, then, then go on making excuses for yourself. But if you ever want to find life and find God and find peace, then you're going to have to stop fussing about the leaves and own your root system and get down to it. I need you to tell three people, it's time to get down to it. Tell three people, come on, it's time to get down to it. Now, now I would like to make this really practical, I, I really would. I, mean, I would like to get really like deep and, and, and down and, and get in there and, and just get really practical. I would love to do that, okay? Uh, but obviously I got, you know, 60-year-old people in the church, 17-year-old people in the church, okay? I got every race in the church, amen. I love that. Men in the church, we got women in the church. I got too many people in the church to call out everybody's tree by name. So we'll just say it. Okay, we're going to dig around it, like the scripture said. And so it could be our code word for whatever it is that isn't growing in your life. That's, that's our code word. So I'm going to give you three seconds to think of your it. Ready? Go. Think of your it. One, two, three. Okay, now let's dig around it. You ready? You look lost. Yeah, you ready to dig, dig, dig around it? Okay. Let's break up that stony ground of your heart. We're going to break it up. Actually, the Spirit of God is, but we're going to bring your disappointment before God, whatever it is, and we're going to dig around it this morning. Anybody ready to dig? Tell your neighbor, get a shovel. Come on. Get a shovel. Come on. Come on. We're going to have to dig for this. Hey. Hey, look, look at me. Hey, listen. 
look, we're going to have to dig for this. Some of you want the fig, but you don't want to dig. You want the fig, but you don't want to dig. If you want peace, then you got to dig for it. If you want to overflow with purpose and passion, then you got to dig for it. I think the enemy, I think Satan, what he does is he wants you to think that this is supposed to be easy. It's not. So if he can get you to quit, he will. You just got to keep digging sometimes. You got to let perseverance finish its work so that you are complete and mature, not lacking in anything. Come on. I feel the spirit of the Lord coming. You see, you see other people's figs, you see other people's fruit, and you see the other things that are going on in other people's lives, but you have no idea the kind of root work that produced that fruit that looks so delicious to you. And so then you're disappointed. Well, I prayed about it for a week. The owner said, for three years, I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and I haven't found any. And the manager says, look at this, I'm gonna read it to you in the King James, you know, the old school, because I like the way he put it. Check this out. He says, and he answered, and, and he answering said to him, Lord, let it alone this year till I shall dig about it and dung it. I like that. I like it. Dung it. Hey, I'm still young at heart because dung it still makes me laugh. You know what I mean? But you, but you know what God does when you ask him to deal with the disappointment in your life? It's in the text. He said, I'm going to have to dig around it and I'm going to have to dung it. No, <laughs> dung it. Dung it. So you want to deal with your, your, your disappointment? That's great. That's a good thing. But, but what I'm going to have to do is then I'm going to have to bring a truckload of dung. I'm going to have to bring a truckload of disappointment and put it in the place where you're disappointed. I mean, this is so deep. He said, I'm going to dig around that place and then I'm going to dung it. And I'm going to allow you to go through a season of failure until you see failure as fertilizer. Woo! I said your failure is nothing but fertilizer. And God says, I want to make a delivery into your life. So I'm going to dig around those places where you've been disappointed. And then I'm going to allow your life to be covered in some nasty, smelly, messy stuff. But if you can learn to see that what I'm doing while I'm digging... It's not so that you will die, but so you will come fully alive, then you can deal with it. So I'm going to use a word that that might offend some people. Okay, Um, forgive me, but whatever crap comes into your your, your life this week, I want you to look at it and say, that's not crap, that's compost. Okay? That's not, that's not crap, it's compost. That's not failure. That's fertilizer, forgive me. I feel like I'll probably get pulled aside after. Anyways, (laughs) come on, everybody say, I'm growing. Say it again, I'm growing. This year, I'm growing. This year, I'm digging. I'm about to bear fruit in season. But I want to close on this point. I'm a little bit concerned about this passage because I can't understand in this passage if God is saying that, that, that he's tired of putting up with me. 
Or if God is saying that his patience towards me is unlimited, which one is it? And, and it's kind of bothering, it, it, it bothered me because one commentary I read said that the manager represented Jesus. And the owner represents God the Father. And so God the Father is like, I'm sick of this. I'm going to cut it down. And Jesus is like, oh, no, give it one more year. But that bothered me because Paul tells us that Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. And so I don't really buy that interpretation because how could Jesus be the image of the Father and yet they don't share the same heart? So I thought, you know what? That couldn't be it because they're the same. So I kept on digging. Everybody say dig. And would you like to know what I finally found? Okay, once I dug long enough, I finally came across this interpretation that I heard actually in a message that I was listening to that to me resembles the heart of God and yet it resounds with truth. Check this out. In John chapter 1 verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, that's Jesus, who came from the Father, full of and full of and truth. Full of grace and truth. That's Jesus, full of grace and truth, full of justice and full of mercy, full of grace and truth. Both are a part of the heart of God. If there was no justice to God, there would be no order in the universe. I'm thankful for his justice, but I really need his mercy. And so I'm glad for justice, but I'm glad for mercy. So could it be Stay with me. So could it be that the owner of the vineyard represents justice? And justice says, you didn't produce, cut it down. And God would be right to cut my life down. You see, God would be right to cut your life down and uproot your life. God has the right to cut me down, but then mercy is the manager who steps in and says, hold on a second, justice. Hold on a second, justice. I know they didn't bear fruit like they were supposed to bear fruit, but if you would just let me work with it for one more year. Mercy says, just give me one more year. What they couldn't do in their own strength, what they couldn't do in their own effort, if I could just have one more year to work with them. How many of you are grateful for the grace of God? Come on. I want you to know, I want you to know that I am that tree and you are that tree. And all have sinned and we have all fallen short of the glory of God. But when justice said, cut it down, mercy stood up and said, let me roll up my sleeves and get my hands dirty. Let me dig away everything that's keeping living water from flowing into this life, from flowing into this tree. There was nothing there was, a, there, was, there was another tree that did produce. We call it a cross. But it was really a tree. It was planted in death, but it brought forth life. It was planted in shame, but it brought forth glory. I'm so glad God's disappointment in me isn't greater than his love for me. Can I get an amen on that? 
Can I get a church that's happy about God's grace? Come on, somebody. He's a just God. He's a just God. But mercy steps in and says, hey, give me one more year. And we'll see if I can get something going in this life. I'm glad. I'm grateful for God's grace. I'm grateful. I'm growing in grace. You see, that's the only soil that can produce the kind of life that God desires. I know you're disappointed in yourself. Some of you are disappointed in yourself right now. I know there are some situations in your life that aren't producing and you're disappointed about that too. I know there are some people that you planted a lot in and when you want to reach for fruit in the tree, there was nothing there to eat. I've been there. And you know, that disappointment is grounds for you to quit. You can quit. You can quit loving people. You can quit trusting people. It's grounds for you to quit. But let me suggest that it's also grounds for grace. The only thing I don't like about this parable is that it ends like this in verse 9. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. End. Done. I mean, whatever happened to the tree, man? You know, I tried, you know, looking through the rest of Luke and didn't really find out what happened to the tree. And I think he doesn't tell us what happened to the tree because we're living that out right now. And I guess the idea is that we're all planted in God's vineyard and our lives are full of potential. Our lives are full of purpose. And so God is waiting to see what you'll make out of the dirt. God is waiting to see what you're going to make out of the dung, what you'll make out of the disappointment. And I believe that sometimes it's from those deep places of disappointment in life that, that, that God's grace is displayed most powerfully. I want you to lift your hands right now. Can you stand to your feet and lift your hands? We're going to pray. And I'm going to tell you why I'm going to have you do this. Everybody stand. I know it's annoying, but you can follow with me. Okay. I want to stand to your feet. And I want everybody to lift your hands out like this. Everybody do it. Okay. Because just as a tree reaches out to catch the sun, just like a tree reaches out to, to, to catch the rain, so you are today reaching out for God. Dry without God, dead without God, but in his presence he can bring rain. He can bring his presence into your life. God, we come to you in prayer and we lift our hands and worship to you, God, because we are so desperate for you to rain and bring, and bring rain and bring moisture and water and living water into our life, Father. And as we pray, as we take the communion in this moment, we want to thank you for what Jesus did on the cross, what he did on that tree, what we could never do in ourselves. God, I pray that we would stop making excuses for why we're not growing. I pray that we would stop trying to produce something that you never put in us. But God, that you would give us one more year, that you would let your grace go to work in us just one more time so that we can begin to bear the fruit that you so desperately want to see in our life. God, we're so grateful. Thank you for Jesus. It was his death that became the compost 
for our resurrection through him. Thank you for that. God, we love you. We lift you up. We honor you. And it's in Jesus' name. Amen.